we inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. It's so good, good, so not, not good. It's so good to be with you today. So yeah, I'm from the South, born and raised in Mississippi. And when you talk too fast, things don't go well, Bobby. But it would be worse. But if you're from New York or somewhere else, you might can talk faster and get it all out there. But I'm from Mississippi and I got to slow down. <laughs> Otherwise, my words start getting uh, mixed and uh, they turn into non-words, actually, when you start mixing two words together. Uh, so, so good to be with you today on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. This is AFA at the Core. Our website is AFR.net. AFR.net is our website where you can find my podcast there, by the way, on our website, AFR.net. We also have the American Family Radio application, the mobile application out there for you as well. And I noticed I had a couple reviews on my podcast page, on my Apple podcast page. Uh, so thank you for that. If you want to uh, leave a review for AFA at the Core, whether it be on your Apple device or your Android um, uh, podcast store, uh, you can go there to AFA at the Core. Uh, and you can not only subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts, but you can leave a review there. And uh, I ask for positive reviews only, <laughs> positive reviews only. If you leave a negative review, we're going to be like, you know, like the Facebooks and the Googles of the world, and we're just going to delete it. You know, we're just going to act like it doesn't exist. No, I'm kidding. I don't think we can control the reviews. It's purely put in your review, and it gets published unless, of course, the company that owns the review page takes it down. Uh, so that's where that is. So leave a positive review or leave a review on the podcast page wherever you listen to podcasts whether it be Apple or Android device or uh, Amazon Alexa, a couple other places we're out there. And then the last housekeeping item thing I'll mention before we move into the content is that we are live streaming the video on AFA at the Core Facebook page, AFA at the Core Facebook page, and AFA at the Core YouTube channel. And on that note about video, this morning in our staff devotional that we have each morning, uh, this morning our IT director, Tony Vitagliano, showed the entire staff the preview of what our video streaming platform will look like. Uh, so that is in the works. Where our, our staff is actually beginning to test it this week internally. So that's exciting, and that's coming up in the next month or two is the launch of our online video streaming platform. So stay tuned for that. Our scripture for the week is out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, verse 11 and 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. So that's out of the book of Proverbs, chapter 3, 11 and 12. Uh, discipline from the Lord is a good thing. Discipline from our parents is a good thing. And I know many uh, some parents struggle with disciplining their children, but let me tell you, as a young dad, 
uh, disciplining your children is a good, noble, and righteous thing uh, to guide them in the right direction. That is what we're called to do as parents. So do not withhold uh, discipline, biblical discipline, for your children. It will set them off on the right path and keep them in line with God's Word and obedient to His Word and obedient to their parents, which is what Scripture calls us uh, as children to be, is obedient and uh, respectful to our parents. So uh, don't withhold discipline. Uh, there's there's this falsehood out there that uh, somehow not disciplining is love and being quote-unquote nice is loving, and that's just not true. Uh, of course, being nice is loving, but what is the defini- definition of being nice? And what is the definition of loving? And not withholding discipline is love. Disciplining your children is an act of love. So we need to keep that in perspective and not let the world uh, start to define and take over our definition of what love is and what being a good parent is. Uh, jumping right into the news of the week or, or this past weekend, we're going to talk extensively today about how COVID is being used for purposes other than simply public health. And I've got a couple examples I'm about to play and show where this is being used by bad actors. The COVID-19 pandemic, which is a very real uh, health situation, is being used, being hijacked by people with bad motives, with bad intentions, and, and who are making and doing bad things with it. Uh, one example I have here is out of our own news service, American Family News, AFN.net. This is a lead story today about how COVID is a stepping stone for the climate scheme. You know, the old climate change narrative, the hoax of climate change and how we need to stop driving um, uh, carbon-emitting vehicles. Instead, we need to drive our Tesla. We need to ride our bike to work. We need to leave our air conditioner on 85 instead of 72 so on and so forth. You need to only drink so much water a day. We need to conserve, conserve, conserve. Uh, well, this whole climate scheme is all about control. And we've had the globalists even admit and the Democrats that they want to use COVID-19 as a stepping stone to enact their climate change, uh, climate control agenda. Uh, one clip I want to play is out of Australia. I mean, these folks are absolutely radical. Uh, they've got these um, isolation camps set up where if you have COVID, they bus you off to this camp and you have to stay by yourself in this dump in this single wide trailer. It looks like a FEMA trailer. Um, this, this stuff is, is, is uh, disturbing, to put it mildly. Uh, so Australia has gone off the deep end. They're radical. They're crazy. Uh, they're not using science to guide their decision-making And now they've even admitted, this is one of their officials, talking about how this is all about getting to the new world order. Clip one, let's listen. Will exposure sites be put back in place, especially with reopening and people going back to pubs and stuff? Because our exposure sites still, will they be put back in place to be listed once we are reopening? Because they're not at the moment. Um, We will be looking at what contact tracing looks like in the new world order. Yes, it will be pubs and clubs and other things if we have a positive case there. Our response may be differently, different if we know that people are fully vaccinated. So we're working through a number of those um, issues, but we will have to reflect and learn. 
sure, she said. Uh, absolutely, contact tracing will be a part of the New World Order. Absolutely, no problem. It's casual. We're just talking business here. Um, what does that mean? Will you go to a restaurant, have dinner with your family, and one person out of 100 people at a restaurant gets sick the next day with COVID? Well, everybody that went to the restaurant has to be contact traced. They have to be contacted. And if the government deems it necessary in Australia, you got to go off to this uh, internment camp, uh, this camp of these haughty trailers out in the middle of nowhere. So you can uh, be there for 14 days or however long the government thinks you should be there. Uh, so that's what's going on in Australia. And uh, the official there, not me, she uses the term New World Order, all right? That's not me putting words in her mouth or insinuating what she's saying. No, that's what she said. This is all part of the New World Order coming from a official in Australia. Um, I want to uh, uh, cite this data because I'll just go ahead and tell you, and um, I'm not going to mention a name or where they were from, but I had a phone call, about a 15 to 20-minute phone call, with a physician, with an ER doctor on Friday of last week. Friday afternoon, got back in the office. I went out to Dallas, Texas, actually technically Garland, Texas, saw a lot of great AFA supporters there at a donor event, came back to Tupelo, got to my office, had a voicemail from this fellow. And he was an ER doctor, um, been a physician for years and years. And he just didn't like how American Family Radio was covering the COVID-19 pandemic. He said we needed a more... Uh, even approach, we need to have people from, quote-unquote, both sides on the network. Well, we started going back and forth, and some of the stuff I agreed with him on, maybe, or I granted him the benefit of the doubt, but I, I basically questioned him on why the suppression of alternative treatment methods, why the suppression and the denial of, by medical professionals of alternative treatment forms such as hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, and others that have been quoted, not by me, a show host, by doctors, by Dr. Peter McCullough, who has 40 years in the medical field, by Dr. Vladimir Zelenko, who's treated over 6,000 patients with COVID and had great success treating them. All right, so why the suppression? Why does Facebook, Twitter, all these major platforms censor anyone, any doctor who talks about anything other than the jab? Anything other than the jab gets censored because we can't talk about alternative treatment forms or treatments. Why the censorship? Well, he didn't really have an answer, and he went on to say basically that, well, those things just don't work. Ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine they just don't work, and there's just not any data to back them up. <laughs> really? That's interesting because these emergency rooms are administering remdesivir religiously. You go in with COVID, you get remdesivir. Well, let's look at the number of studies. Remdesivir, as of today, September 14th, remdesivir has been studied 22 times with about 38,000 patients involved in those studies. Well, Walker, what about hydroxychloroquine? The back alley drug is what the CDC and others call it. <laughs> well, it's been studied 284 times, involving 410,000 patients. What about ivermectin, the horse pill, the horse drug? 
Well, it's not an animal drug. It can be used on animals, but it's also used on humans, and it has been for decades. Ivermectin has been studied 63 times, three times more than remdesivir. 26,000 patients involved with studying it. These are not like studies by no one or, or, or nobodies, if you will, if that's even a word, but it's studies by peer, these are peer-reviewed clinical trials and studies. And so these drugs, ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine, are being studied by very, and they're being used by very reputable, trusted names in medicine. But I have a conversation with this ER doctor, and he, he offhandedly says that they just don't work. And I said, well, where are you reading that? He said, well, some of the medical journals I get. Well, I've got medical journals that say it does work. But, but the problem, what I, what I discovered in our conversation is that so many people involved in the medical industry, in the medical field, some of them, many of them are very good people. Some of them are even believers. But they've been uh, sectioned off from any, anything else other than what the status quo is. If the medical journals don't say it and the CDC and FDA don't say it's okay, then it just must not be okay. Because after all, I can't go do research on my own because I'm just supposed to follow whatever the CDC and the FDA say and whatever our state board of health says. Whatever they say, that's all I can do. I'm limited to that. But what you'll soon find and what I'm encouraging people that are in the medical field to do, especially these ER doctors, what I'm encouraging them to do is go read for yourself. Go read for yourself. And I've got this website that I'm going to publish on my podcast page at our website, AFR.net. If you go to AFR.net this afternoon, you can find the AFA at the Core podcast from today's show, September 14th. And here is the URL that we're going to post there. C19, so C19early.com. C19early.com. And the one nine is numerical. So C19early.com. And this website tracks every study that is published relating to all drugs being used to treat COVID-19 patients. Right now, it's tracked well over 900 studies in the past 18 months that are all tracking COVID treatment. So this is important. Know the data, read the data for yourself, and be knowledgeable. AFA at the core. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes. The borrower is the slave of the lender. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Newly published information from LifeWay Research shows 77% of self-identified Christians in dozens of states think it's a sin to lend money to someone who can't afford to pay it back. Still, few say payday loans are immoral, and one in six Christians has admitted to taking out a high-interest payday loan. The federal government's Consumer Financial Protection Bureau says a typical two-week payday loan charges the equivalent of a 400% interest rate. These sharks prey on the poor, elderly, and most vulnerable in society. Sound the alarm and make sure your family, church, and neighborhood steer clear of this vermin. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association.
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. The power of expectation is real. Think you're going to have a bad day and it will likely happen. But with a positive expectation, you might be able to persevere through a not so great day and come out feeling okay. For girls struggling with negativity, setting a positive mindset is one step toward overcoming the struggle of daily stress. Of course, the last thing you should ever say to someone with anxiety or depression is, just be happy. But encouraging your girl to make consistent daily attempts at adopting a positive mindset can prove helpful. By adopting a spirit of positivity, we're placing our hope and trust in God. Just as Psalm 62, 8 instructs, Trust in Him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts to Him, for God is our refuge. We are all called to raise up the next generation of Christian leaders. Learn more about empowering girls at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Judy Goodell and her husband set up a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation. What we love about it is that it represents stewardship principles that we feel strongly about. So we got very, very excited about this opportunity. With a charitable gift annuity through the AFA Foundation, an AFA supporter can guarantee a permanent monthly income, as well as supporting the American Family Association for years to come. We do feel convicted about really praying about all that God has really blessed us with. And so many people we know just want to leave it all to their kids. And we know the danger of that. And so we just are really just trying to pray through it. And God gave us great confirmation as we prayed that this would be a good use of the Lord's money. Find out if a charitable gift annuity is right for you at 800-326-4543, extension 345, or email foundation at afa.net. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. Picking back up on our discussions before we went into the break, or our discussion before we went into the break, um, I only have one motive here, all right? And my motive is to tell you what is true, what is the truth about what's going on in our country. And I also care deeply about people's health. I really do. Um, I care deeply about my own health, the health of my family, the health of people I know. And of course, I care about our listeners here. And what I'm seeing here going on in our country and in other places is a suppression of anything that might give people hope. Anything that might give people hope is being suppressed. And the things that should be guiding people in the right direction, they are being suppressed as well. And I, and from what we're seeing, and, and I'm about to cite all the data and quote all the people, so it's not just me saying it. And that's the important thing about what the stuff I bring on the show, the stuff I bring on, on AFA at the core, is this isn't me just rambling about what I think based on some hunch I got. Uh, over the weekend, uh, I'm citing to you what is going on right now. And the Pfizer and some of these other companies have already admitted uh, that that the shot, the COVID shot, is not the end-all be-all, and we can't solely 
rely upon it. A couple weeks ago, I brought in a statement published by Pfizer stating that, in summary, um, the COVID shot, even the Pfizer shot, is not the, the end-all answer to the, to, the, uh, to the pandemic. Pfizer went on to say that we need some kind of alternative treatment methods to help get the pandemic under control. That's their words, not mine. And to go along with that is um, this clip from a Pfizer executive talking about the Israeli data. This is a fellow by the name of Philip Dormitzer. He's the chief scientific officer at Pfizer, and he's talking about the Israeli data on a Zoom call. He's talking about the Israeli data and how America is a couple months behind Israeli data. So whatever happens in Israel today typically ends up happening in America in about three to six months from now. Let's listen to clip two. Or, I'm sorry, clip three. Early in the pandemic, we'd established a relationship with the Israeli Ministry of Health where they used exclusively the Pfizer vaccine and they monitored very closely. So we had sort of a laboratory where we could see the effect. They'd immunized a very high proportion of their population very early. So it's been a way that we can almost look ahead. What we see happening in Israel happens again in the U.S. a couple months later. Well, there you have it. That's the Pfizer, uh, a Pfizer executive uh, team member talking about how what happens in Israel typically comes around and happens in the U.S. a couple months later. Well, Israel is having a very, very tough time right now. Israel is having a very tough time. They have the highest number of cases since the beginning of the pandemic right now in Israel. They are also the most highly vaccinated country in the world, in the world. And they aren't only talking about a booster shot. They are on number five. They are currently approving the fifth shot. So you have the primary shot, secondary shot, the booster shot, which is the third one, then a fourth one and a fifth one. And they're currently approving these like in a matter of weeks. And I believe they only have, they already have like 24, 25% of their population has already gotten the booster shot. Oh, so they are jabbed up. They are vaccinated up in Israel, and the, the case numbers just keep climbing. They just keep climbing, and you say, well, Walker, uh, that's, uh, I bet it's the unvaccinated that are getting sick. No, that's not true. <laughs> no, that's not true. And what's unfortunate is I had to go, nobody's reporting this. No mainstream outlets are reporting this. I had to go to the Ministry of Health website myself, download the Excel file, sort it out, relabel everything in English to bring this on the show today to report to you the active numbers. And here are the active case numbers in Israel. The, and the definition of active case numbers is anyone who has tested positive for COVID in the last 14 days. So they're still in that quarantine period. They're still in that sick period. Uh, they're still considered um, infected or positive, COVID positive. These are um, today's numbers uh, based on all current active cases in the uh, state of Israel or the nation of Israel. Here's the numbers. Of those uh, cases, twenty of the active cases, 25,502 are amongst fully vaccinated individuals. 19,004 are amongst unvaccinated individuals. So the number of vaccinated people getting sick in Israel is outpacing the number of unvaccinated by about 6,000. 
today. And so if this is any indicator as to what's going to happen in the U.S., then we're going to see people who are fully vaccinated in the U.S., and we're already seeing some of it now, uh, continue to get sick, which is what the CDC has said. If you have uh, the shot, you can still not only get sick, but you can also spread COVID to others, which then brings up the whole question, uh, what is a vaccine? Uh, What's this thing doing if it's not stopping people from becoming infected? What on earth is it doing? Um, and people won't really answer that question. They'll, well, well, it reduces hospitalizations. It reduces severe illness. Oh, really? Where are the clinical trials? Where are the peer-reviewed studies on that uh, data that you're citing? Well, there's really not any. Uh, this has all gotten so muddled, and that's what makes makes so many people frustrated. And, and, and I was listening to Dr. Robert Malone, the inventor of the mRNA technology last night. I listened to an hour and a half of him on a show, and he said, what's concerning is we don't have clean data. We don't have clear data. The CDC has basically stopped tracking breakthrough cases. Uh, So this this statement, this definitive statement uh, that, well, it it prevents severe illness. Oh, really? Where are the studies? Uh, Much of this is circumstantial or anecdotal evidence. And that, that typically doesn't fly in the scientific world. They typically don't allow anecdotal evidence. Uh, because it's not peer-reviewed. It's not studied. It hasn't gone through clinical trials. Um, but instead, they're throwing out these anecdotal statements uh, about about the, the shot uh, that really is not being backed up um, by any types of studies. Another clip I want to play today is is where, where they're wanting to take this. Where they're wanting to take this, uh, this is CNN, one of their pundits, talking about how, well, you know, travel isn't a right, isn't a constitutional right. And we should be able to block people from traveling in the name of COVID. Clip four, let's listen. I absolutely think we should have that requirement. I think it was a major oversight on the part of the Biden administration to not issue this yesterday. And we have to talk about the reason. The reason isn't so much that we need to keep our our train travel and plane travel even safer. They are pretty safe, although I definitely think that having a vaccine requirement would make it even safer and probably encourage many people who are vaccinated or who have young kids and want to protect them Um, Maybe it'll help to encourage those people to start traveling again. But there's an even bigger reason, too, which is I think we really need to make it clear that there are privileges associated with being an American, that if you wish to have these privileges, you need to get vaccinated. Travel and having the right to travel interstate, it's not a constitutional right, as far as I'm as far as I know, to um, to to uh, to board a plane. And so saying that if you want to stay unvaccinated, that's your choice. But if you want to travel, you better go get that vaccine. Wow. There we got We got a doctor and a constitutional expert all in one. All in one there on CNN. Travel is not a constitutional right. Interstate travel is not a constitutional right. Really? That's interesting. So the federal government can tell me whether I can go to Texas or not? That's interesting. I've never heard that. Sounds a little bit like Australia and the New World Order. But these are the people writing policy for the Biden administration. Mark my word. These are the people writing the executive orders, or at least influencing them, for the Biden administration. And it's never enough. It's never enough. The shot mandate for flying is coming. It is coming. Because you can't be radical enough for these people. You can't be radical enough. So there you have a CNN analyst uh, talking about how travel is not a constitutional right. And uh, sure, we should be able to require the jab to get on an airline. Uh, So get ready for the long drives. (laughs) 
<laughs> seriously, get ready for the long drives uh, because I ain't going to do it. Uh, I'll drive 12 hours if I have to to get to Texas <laughs> before I get a jab to get on a plane. Uh, that's absolutely, utterly ridiculous, and it ain't going to happen. Well, not only are they pushing the crazy stuff and suppressing the truth, uh, but they're also um, not wanting to talk about that which we all know to be true, and more specifically, the topic of natural immunity. I mean, you talk about getting a back uh, of the bus seat. <laughs> natural immunity has been pushed to the back of the bus, and it may not even be on their bus. It may have fell out the back door. Uh, natural immunity is a plausible topic amongst the medical community and amongst patients and doctors has basically disappeared. It's like, where did natural immunity go? I don't know. Uh, it sailed off somewhere probably to escape this lunacy, and I don't blame it. Uh, but natural immunity is a real thing. It's like uh, science 101 is natural immunity. If you get an infection such as the flu or COVID, um, you build up antibodies after you recover. You build up antibodies, and you're less likely to to get sick with the same illness again, at least in a couple-year time frame. Uh, not necessarily your whole life, although some studies actually do say uh, that you could be immune from an illness for your entire life. But uh, Dr. Fauci was questioned by CNN about natural immunity this past weekend, and instead of speaking clearly to what he knows about natural immunity, if he's taken any kind of science uh, our virology class. Instead, he says, well, I just don't have an answer for that. Uh, clip six, let's listen. There was a study that came out of Israel about natural immunity. And basically the headline was that natural immunity provides a lot of protection, even better than the vaccines alone. Um, how, what, are, what are people to make of that? So, so as we talk about vaccine mandates, there are, I get calls all the time. People say, I've already had COVID. I'm protected. And now the study says maybe even more protected than the vaccine alone. Should they also get the vaccine? How do you make the case to them? You know, that's a really good point, Sanjay. I don't have a really firm answer for you on that. That's something that we're going to have to discuss regarding the durability of the response. The one thing the paper from Israel didn't tell you is whether or not as high as the protection is with natural infection, what's the durability compared to the durability mm. of a vaccine? So it is conceivable that you got infected, you're protected, but you may not be protected for an indefinite period of time. So I think that is something that we need to sit down and discuss seriously because you very appropriately <laughs> pointed out it is an issue and there could be an argument for saying what you said. Wow. We need to seriously sit down and discuss that. We need to seriously sit down and discuss that. So Dr. Fauci can give you his opinion and the quote-unquote science about anything and everything in this world uh, but when you ask about something as basic, Bobby, as natural immunity, he sidesteps and then says, well, you know, you make a good point, and maybe we should talk about it later instead of talking about it now. Well, apparently he hasn't talked to the Surgeon General about it because we played his clip, what, a week ago, and we also cited that same Israeli study. So I forgot about that, Bobby. Yeah, it looks like he's already got an audience to sit down and discuss it with. <laughs> Yeah, so this, that's a good point, Bobby. So the Surgeon General says that, well, uh, vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity, which is a flat-out falsehood. I mean, there's no way you can parse that and cherry-pick studies. No, there is nothing that says. I mean, zero. Find it if you can, listeners, and email it to me. I'm being so serious. 
If you can find something that definitively proves that vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity, I want to know about it because you're not going to find it. You're not going to find it. The University of Missouri study I cited last week covered 9,119 patients and only 63 of them got reinfected. Less than 1% of this 9,000 plus person patient study, less than 1% got reinfected. And so this idea that vaccine immunity is better than natural immunity is a hoax. And there's not, it's not founded in any type of science, never has been, never will be. The way God designed our bodies to fight off illnesses is the best way. And these scientists keep trying to replicate it and fake it, and it just doesn't work. Uh, natural immunity is, is, is the best immunity. And Dr. Fauci, he should know that. Uh, there is no way, unless he is just being severely misled, um, and he's been like uh, uh, sectioned off from the rest of the scientific community for the last, I don't know, couple hundred years. There's no way that he doesn't know that natural immunity is robust, that it's good, that it has proven very long and very effective. I just don't believe. I just think he doesn't want to talk about it. You want to know why? Because all the people around the country that have already had this virus, they're going to say to themselves, which uh, an average person right-thinking person should say is, well, I've already had this, so you're telling me I've got the antibodies, so I have natural immunity, and that's better than the shot. Well, I'm great. I'm good to go. He can't talk about that. Dr. Fauci absolutely can't talk about that. Why? Because it might mean people don't go get the jab, and we just can't have that no matter the reason. Speaking of this, I got a good news story. We got a little fighter over in California. Uh, we got a medical ethics professor that is suing a university that he works for. He, um, let's see, this uh, professor, his name is Aaron Kirate, or Kirate. He's professor of psych, psych, psychiatry. Well, I tried to make that more difficult than it was. Psychiatry and Human Behavior at the University of California in Irvine. Irvine, California. Well, his university is trying to make him get the jab. Well, he's saying, I've already got natural immunity because I've had the virus. So he's suing the university, trying to avoid being forced to get the jab. How is What's his standing? He has natural immunity. That is his standing, a pretty actually strong scientific argument. Uh, so we'll follow that story, see where that ends up. Good for him for standing up. Standing up for science, standing up for the truth. AFA at the core will have a special guest next segment, Mike Berry from First Liberty Institute. Stay tuned. Single mom is not your identity. Single is your experience at the moment. Insights from the 10 best decisions a single mom can make by Peggy Sue Wells and co-author Pam Farrell. Being a mom is perpetual. You are always going to be a mom. AFA Journal staff writer Hannah Harrison highlights this recent book offering hope, practical advice, and biblical encouragement to single moms. Find this and other helpful articles by visiting afajournal.org. When you hear this, this is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow 
political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. May I tell you about 17-year-old Esther in Africa? Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Esther is only 17. She's part of the famous Maasai tribe in Kenya. It's a country that I visited not too long ago. Girls like Esther, they're subjected to Maasai traditions that are not taught in the Bible, including female circumcision and polygamy where a man has many wives and some younger than Esther are forced into arranged marriages against their will. Now, having endured this mistreatment, Esther lived with bitter unforgiveness until a Bible League volunteer introduced her to the hope of the gospel and now she's led dozens of teen girls and young adult women to Jesus and she's praying for Bibles so they can grow in their walk with Him. And that's exactly why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleless believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20 Bibles and friends of Bible League will match every single gift. Call 800-YES-WORD 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 or click sendbiblesnow.org sendbiblesnow.org Org. There's no neutrality. This is Ken Ham, CEO of Answers in Genesis, Ark Encounter, and the Creation Museum. God's Word teaches we're either for Christ or against Him. We walk in light or darkness. There's the broad way or the narrow way. We build our thinking on the rock or the sand. Now, why do I bring this up? Well, because the Bible teaches there's no neutrality. People often think when prayer, the Bible, and God were kicked out of America's public schools and other places, they became secular or neutral. But no, it was replaced by the religion of atheism or humanism. In this religion, man is the ultimate authority. Man determines right from wrong, and man gets to be his own God. That's the thinking that dominates today. Everyone is religious, but that's for tomorrow. Discover more when you visit us at our fact-filled website at AnswersRadio.com. Find thousands of articles, videos, and more to encourage you at AnswersRadio.com. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core. Don't forget to check out our website, AFR.net. And on our website, you'll find my AFA at the Core podcast page where I post a couple links each day of important uh, resources for you to find at our website, AFR.net, by going to the AFA at the Core podcast page on our website. On the guest line, we have with us Mike Berry, an attorney with First Liberty Institute leading the charge uh, fighting for religious freedom, fighting for uh, Christians and people of faith to have their constitutional rights upheld across the country. Hey, Mike, thanks for coming on AFA at the Core. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you. Uh, Mike, you guys, First Liberty Institute, led by Kelly Shackelford, our good friend, and yourself, um, are leading uh, the charge to try to fight for as many uh, religious exemptions uh, for individuals across the country who don't want to be forced to get the shot or lose their job. Give us a little background of where you are today, how that effort is going, and maybe how many people you guys have, have had to, been able to help. Well, I mean, thus far, uh, we've been trying to keep track, but we are, uh, you know, it, it, it feels like, you know, the, the, the waters are rising very, very quickly uh, because we've been contacted by over a 1,000 people now um, who have been asking us for, for help when it comes to religious objections to, to mandatory vaccines. 
Um, of course, initially it started with, um, you know, employers, certain employers or certain uh, parts of, of either the state or the federal government that were making the vaccines mandatory. Uh, a lot of it initially started in the healthcare industry, and, and then it began to sort of uh, uh, spread from there. Uh, then it went to the military, right? We saw that the military issued uh, a directive that everybody in the military, now that the FDA has approved the, uh, the Pfizer vaccine, everybody has to be vaccinated within 90 days if you're active duty, 120 days if you're reserved. And then, of course, uh, right after that, we saw uh, President Biden announce that he was going to direct OSHA, the Occupational Safe uh, Health Administration, to make vaccines mandatory for all employees nationwide, whether you work for the government, work for a private employer, if your company has more than 100 employees. And so, of course, that's just led to an absolute flood of, of you know, just, I, I think, distraught and, and, and desperate people saying, well, you know, wait, now I'm going to lose my job if I don't, if I don't get this vaccine that, that I don't trust or that violates my conscience or my religious beliefs. And so that's... Uh, that, you know that's that's really what's happening right now, and what we're trying to do is help people understand the process and understand what their rights are, and most importantly, for our purposes, the the the, the law and the Constitution uh, absolutely provide the right for people to request a religious exemption from a vaccine requirement. And people, if you're eligible for that, you should absolutely take advantage. Um. Uh... Mike, let me ask you this, um, because I've heard, especially over the weekend, uh, some employers are absolutely going ballistic. They're freaking out, scrambling, uh, trying to force all of their employees to get the jab. Um, what would you say to people who are like who are thinking that this Biden directive, which really is, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but this thing isn't even on paper yet. I mean, this is, the, the Department of Labor hasn't even published anything. That's correct. Yeah. So, so I mentioned OSHA, the Occupational Safe Healthy Administration. That that is a part of the Department of Labor, mm -hmm. and they're the ones that the president has directed to come up with these regulations. Uh, they have not come up with regulations yet. They, it's going to take them a couple weeks at 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 the minimum to come up with whatever the regulations are going to say. And then, what I would tell people is to sit tight because yes, um, uh, even if they come up with those regulations, I. I can almost guarantee you there's going to be a flood of litigation, right? There's going to be, I mean, what, you know, First Liberty Institute, we, we are certainly looking for ideal clients to, to challenge this regulation. Uh, I know that there are others who are going to challenge there, There'll be groups that probably challenge it on religious liberty grounds, and there's going to be groups that challenge it on other grounds, too. So it, it's going to be, it's going to have the same look and feel as Obamacare did, um, you know, several years ago, back when, when that was first announced. Uh, I believe, though, that challenges to, to this will be more successful than the challenges to Obamacare, because, of course, that was an act of Congress that was passed, whereas this is just uh, executive fiat, right? This is just the president just issuing an edict from the White House saying every employee in America has to be vaccinated. And to your question about, you know, well, these employers who are going crazy and, and and just saying, well, now you have to get it. Now you have to get the vaccine. Uh, first of all, I'd tell no, no, you don't. You know, employees do not have to get it yet because it's not been made a requirement yet. And then even then, as I just said, that requirement's going to get challenged. And so, for employees who are concerned, am I going to lose my job? 
Um, uh, let's start with the bad news, right? The bad news is there is no silver bullet right now, okay? There is no, there is no, I, I wish I could be the guy that comes on and says, uh, no, you know, every employee who doesn't want to get the vaccine is, is, is going to be successful and challenging. Uh, I, I just, I don't think that that's the case. I think there are going to be situations where, yeah, you might have to leave your job and find a different job. Uh, because it's just, unfortunately, that, those are the circumstances. But there are many, many other circumstances where people will be successful in challenging their employer's uh, requirement that they get the vaccine, mm-hmm. and especially if they have a religious objection, because there's this law, federal law, called the Civil Rights Act of 1964 that protects employees against religious discrimination, and employers are required to follow uh, it's, it's Title Seven of the Civil Rights Act, 1964, and employers are required to follow that. Um, and and so, if somebody has a religious objection and they ask for a religious accommodation, uh, it's not a guarantee that they'll be successful. But the employer now has to essentially follow uh, what the law requires on that. And uh, you know, so there's all, there there are plenty of opportunities available for employees to get a religious exemption from having to take this vaccine. Mike, uh, let me just read AFA's position on this. Um, <clears throat> we sent this, that, this out to our employees uh, earlier this morning. Uh, here's AFA's official statement as far as our employees, because we, of course, employ over 100 uh, employees here in our, at our headquarters in Mississippi. Here's our statement. President Biden announced an unconstitutional executive order that will require companies with over 100 employees to force employees to get the COVID shot or be tested regularly. As most of you are aware, AFA has well over 100 employees. While the specifics of this order are still under under review under no circumstances, will we require employees to be injected with any substance as a condition of their employment, nor will we require regular testing. The U.S., the United States of America is a constitutional republic, not a monarchy or a dictatorship. The current administration seems to require a reminder of that fact. That's an official statement uh, from our president, my dad, Tim Wildman, this morning. Uh, Mike, I know your your firm, uh, First Liberty, focuses on uh, uh, the First Amendment and religious rights and religious protection. Uh, but Mike, this gets into safety. Yeah, I would say equally, if not more importantly, uh, this gets into safety and efficacy because uh, traditionally, historically, legally, scientifically, uh, shots like this uh, take years and years, five to 10 years to develop and deploy and get full authorization. We're doing this in less than 24 months. That has to be a part of the legal argument. Would you agree or disagree? I think it will be. You know, I, I think that there, are, like I said, there are going to be groups like us who are going to challenge this on the the constitutional grounds, right? The the, the First Amendment, religious freedom, um, and and so that's going to be one way to go after this requirement. And then there are going to be lots of groups who are going to go after very much along the lines of what you talked about, mm-hmm. right? Which is just sort of the 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 medical science aspect of it, right? That this is just bad bad medical policy. In fact, I was talking to a doctor recently who said uh, she, her, her exact words were, I'm, I'm, I'm pro-vaccine, but I'm anti-this vaccine, you know? Yeah. Uh, she said, I have serious questions about it. And I said, really, that's interesting. You know, why, why, what, are you, you know, what, what are your questions or concerns about this vaccine? And she said, 
every other vaccine that, that we have, the reason why we don't have a problem with them is because there's years and years of data available to study. She said, this one, she said, so imagine, imagine the government wanted to pass a, a new law saying that every, every vehicle on the road has to be a self-driving automobile, all right, and, and that, that law goes into effect next week. And the way we're going to test it was we're going to put self-driving automobiles out in the out in the road during you know during rush hour in some of the busiest highways in America. And we're going to force we're going to force you to ride in it. Yeah, exactly. And and no nobody in their right mind would say, oh yeah, sure, sign me up. You know, yeah, I'm you know I'm happy to jump in that car. Good analogy. So people are going to say, uh, I'd kind of like to see the data. You know, I'd like to see like years worth of data. I don't want to just see like one day or one week. I want to see years worth of data of these self-driving cars not causing accidents and getting people killed. Um, and so, you know, and that's, look, I, I'm not a doctor, so I don't try to speak from the medical perspective. That's not my area of expertise. But man, that sure that sure made a lot of sense to me. And I thought, yeah, you know, I, I'd feel, I'd be really, I mean, I'd get nervous when I'm in the airport and I'm getting on the little self-driving train, you know, that yeah. takes me from one terminal to the other. I'm kind of looking inside thinking, there's nobody driving this thing. How does it know when to stop? You know, and I realized, obviously, you know, that, that that's a very, very different system than driving on a busy freeway. Uh, but, you know, so we're playing with people's lives. Uh, also that the administration can... I guess score political points, but that's the other thing too, Walker. It's actually hurting the, this administration politically, you know, on the polls too. Yeah, so they're clearly not even doing it because they think people support it. No, Mike, I've got a story out of Breitbart today where a well-known doctor, um, a prominent immunologist, he tweeted last uh, the other day he regrets voting for Biden. Why? Because of his of Biden's terrible. Uh, 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 demeaning speech he did from the white house where he talked to americans like we're little babies like we're little kids saying he's his patience is running thin i mean this is talking to the american people and and, and by as to your point biden voters are saying this is ridiculous i can't believe i voted for this guy hey uh mike where can folks find out about your work and read a little bit more about some of the cases you have going well go to firstliberty.org and if you want to know more about the vaccine uh, issue and how to submit a request for religious accommodation we've got a vaccine toolkit that's available for free there so go to firstliberty.org it should be right at the top of the page it's a free download and it'll it'll help uh, clarify the legal rules and what the process is to get a religious accommodation if you have a religious objection to taking this vaccine all right thanks mike uh, we'll have you on again keep up the good work brother Thanks for having me. All right, man. Uh, that's Mike Liberty with First Liberty Institute talking about the work that they're doing to defend people's religious beliefs and more specifically to fight for as many religious exemptions as possible across the country. And state laws differ across the country. So um, as he mentioned, there's no silver bullet to solve this issue. Um, uh, you know, one thing that's not that's frustrating and not right, and this has been clearly demonstrated on my show, but I'm going to say it again, is that people who simply want more data, more information. We want five to 10 years of data like we do with every other shot. Uh, people that just want more information to be able to make a, a confident, informed decision about uh, their medical history and and this shot, uh, we're being talked about like we're some aliens, uh, like we don't like we're some 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 buffoons. We don't know what we're talking about. We just need to be quiet and go back to the house and isolate. 
um, the, the type of demeaning and disrespect that is being shown to people who simply want to wait this out and uh, see where the data goes just to make sure before they put something in their body uh, that it's safe and effective. Uh, those people are being uh, ridiculed, and it's absolutely backwards uh, to be ridiculing the people who actually want science and data uh, to guide their decision-making. Hey, one person who's on fire about this is Representative Chip Roy out of Texas, a good friend of the ministry here. Uh, he went on Facebook, did an interview, and said he's had enough of this. He's had enough. Clip seven. Let's listen. My colleagues that have said this is unlawful, unconstitutional, the president does not have the authority do th to do this. Let me be also clear. I don't need the Article Three Judiciary Branch to tell me yay or nay on that question. The fact of the matter is the president of the United States does not have this power. And I am saying to all of my constituents, to the governor of Texas, do not follow this executive order. Do not fear the power of the federal government. Stand up along your neighbors, your communities, your friends, and say no. If you're in a small business in Texas or anywhere else in this country, don't believe you have to listen to an unconstitutional, unlawful order from the president of the United States. You do not. And governors and states, stand up and say no. That's it. Stand up and say no. And we have to do this, folks. Uh, the, the, this, the litigation part, honestly, is a double-edged sword. By submitting yourself to litigation, and, and I understand litigation has its place, uh, but by submitting yourself to litigation over this blatant unconstitutional act, you are opening yourself up to have to comply to the, with the courts. If the courts get it wrong, you have to comply, or you're supposed to. Uh, this is ridiculous. As Chip Roy said, we don't even need the courts. If, if, if businesses are hesitant about this, just don't do it. And I believe, as uh, Rand Paul said, the senator, <laughs> you can't arrest all of us. We're not forcing people to get an experimental jab so they can earn an income for their family. That's ridiculous. AFA at the core. We'll see you tomorrow. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.